Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me as a familiar face to Houston sports fans, David Nuno, after nearly a decade in the sports department at Channel 13. David now covers the Aggies for TexAgs.com. And David, before I get to the business of new Texan Kenyon Green, got to say, we miss seeing you regularly around Houston, man. I appreciate that. I have such a good time um, covering Houston sports. And, you know, the Astros run was incredible. Texans had a few good years. Even the Rockets had some good years. The Dynamo, I, I miss seeing the familiar faces at the press conferences and practices and whatnot. But uh, I do not mind the slow pace of life here down in College Station or up in College Station. <laughs> sort of up and over in College Station. But uh, with the 15th pick, the Texans choose Kenyon Green. One of your guys over there. I don't have to tell you how desperately the Texans need offensive line help. What can you tell fans who might not have watched the Aggies about Kenyon Green, the player? Well, a couple of things. I'll start off with the man that is Kenyon Green. He's just a good guy, a leader, a, a good person, kind of soft-spoken, but uh, he definitely led that offensive line. And AM has had some great offensive linemen over the years. I think six have been drafted in the first round since they entered the SEC. So that just tells you the kind of talent um, that uh, AM has. I think since 2011, I should say, the year before they entered the SEC, six offensive linemen. Uh, what you're going to get in Kenyon Green is a very versatile player who has played almost every position on the offensive line for Texas A&M. Uh, he lined up at center, lined up at left guard, right guard. He can play across the line. He's a smash mouth kind of offensive lineman. And uh, he's he's ranked very near the top of all the best offensive linemen that have come from this school and a guy that absolutely will help anchor that uh, defensive uh, offensive line there for the Texans guy you can count on every single weekend. And um, and a guy that in a way like Dwayne Brown that, you you know, when he was there, you could just pencil him in. He's going to open up a big hole and he's going to be a part of it. Um, And again, though, I think the leadership qualities, the young man that he is all fits in perfectly. He's played a number of different positions, like you said. Is there a, a particular position that makes the most sense? Is it guard, do you think, long-term? And if so, is it left guard, right guard? Does that make a difference at all? I don't think it'll make a difference at the next level. And, you know, the Texans coaches will be able to figure that out. I do think at AM his best position was probably left guard. Uh, we saw him play right guard. We saw him move around the day of the Alabama game. The morning of, he was told he's playing a different position, and he adjusted because of injuries on the offensive line. Uh, but I, where I think he's best suited is, is left guard. Uh, but he's a, a guy who can grow. So if there's a need on the right side, by all means. I've heard some concern over his pass blocking. Is that analysis, analysis being picky on him or is, is that a, a real thing at all? I mean, I think it's more being picky because Zach Calzada, especially towards the end of the season last year, was not the the most gifted runner back there. Um, You know, I I think offensive lines and quarterbacks, they work together, right? So um, there are offensive lines that make quarterbacks look faster than they really are. And there are quarterbacks that make the offensive line look better than they really are because of their ability to move. So with the right quarterback in place, um, and, you know, the right timing in place, I don't think it's going to be that much of a challenge in, in the pass blocking. With offensive line or any position in the NFL, what you're looking for is a guy that can improve and get better. And, you know, you want to see somebody that is able to pick things up pretty quickly. Does that describe Kenyon? Is he somebody that you've seen vast improvement just in his, in his uh, time there, a short time with the Aggies? Yeah. I mean, he started as a freshman. So that just tells you, like, I mean, and, and we saw just last year with the A&M had a couple of freshmen starting 
it takes a little while, especially in the SEC, to get adjusted to that speed, that size, making the jump from high school. Well, I'm going to tell you the SEC is not the NFL, but it's the next closest thing, right? The, the kind of competition that these gentlemen have to see week in and week out. He can absorb the information. He can apply it. And uh, he's somebody that I think right away will, will understand the, the physicality and the mental side that I think is so needed as an offensive lineman. Uh, what can you tell us about him personally? What is he into? Do you, can you tell us a little bit about the, the Kenyon Green off the field that maybe we will get to know a little bit as, as Texans fans? I, I don't know if I know that side of him very well, to be honest with you. I do know he's very soft-spoken, nice kid um, that just likes to go to work, right? And when there's something that needs to be done at practice, he's the one who's, who's going to get it done. Definitely one of the team leaders. Uh, away from the field, you know, it's a little different in the college ranks. Uh, we don't get to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with these guys like we can with the Texans locker room. And in years past, I know it's changed a little bit since COVID. Uh, so we don't get to know them as much. Uh, NIL has certainly changed that a little bit. Um, our our co-owner, Billy Lucci, has done several interviews with Kenyon Green, gotten to know him. But me personally, I, I can't tell you what he's into. I just know he's into football. And as Jimbo Fisher likes to say, he likes to play ball. And he definitely likes to play ball. Yeah, and the pandemic has been going on sort of uh, still a little bit over the last couple of years even since you've been there. So I know it's tough to, to really uh, connect with these guys uh, because of that as well. And, you know, you've watched uh, the Texans a lot over the last decade. Just as far as the Texans are concerned, what do you think about what Casario is doing and how he's constructing the team and uh, this particular draft? Did you like what they did? I did like what they did. I think they had an excellent draft, but time will tell. I don't think we ever know. You, the day after the draft, a week after the draft, right? It takes three, four years, just like a recruiting class to really know how good of a job they did. I will tell you, my opinion of the whole situation has changed considerably. When they drafted Kenyon Green, there was a part of me that was so excited for the Texans. And there was a part of me that was like, he's going to the freaking Texans. Like they have not had a good decade and they are not run the right way. Well, things feel different after this draft. Um, and again, um, the first hire that Casario made, you know, um, was not the best hire. And the draft last year was okay. Uh, but I feel like this draft has been excellent. Um, it's been uh, the kind of a lot of SEC players, a lot of players that we know from watching games on Saturdays, like names that stick out to you. Um, and I know not a, a lot of offensive linemen are flashy, but Kenyon Green is a name that beyond the Texas A&M circle uh, fans knew with the kind of offense that uh, and the running ability that A&M has had in years past. So, I think the, the Texans seem to be going in the right direction. I think they have um, a, a nice little nucleus that they built this year, but it's still several years away. Uh, I just hope that when we are three or four years away from now, we're, we're thinking about they've got their quarterback, they've got their offensive line, they've got their running back, and, and their defense is in, in a good place. Uh, you, I assume, still communicate with some of the people that cover the Texans on a regular basis. It had gotten pretty weird by the time Casario had gotten hired. Do you feel like the temperature's kind of cooled a little bit and maybe it's more back to business as usual? I mean, what's the feeling with where the Texans organization is now as compared to, say, a year ago and with the hiring of, of Levy Smith as well? So a year ago, I was still involved um, and it was a low point. And I would say, and there's been a lot of lows recently. And I would say even, and I, and I stayed away when I left, Houston. I kept my eye on the Texans, but I didn't really um, keep the tabs that I, that I once had because I was so focused on the gig that I had now. But I kept on seeing the same kind of negativity, the same kind of apathy around the team all season long. And the Deshaun Watson moment, or uh, year, I should say, really pulled the franchise down. But I think the moment they made the trade, it's like they turned the page. 
fans started to turn the page, and I know some still want Deshaun around, but fans were able to turn the page, and then making some of these acquisitions and these draft picks certainly helped change the the narrative a little bit. I'm still in a wait and see mode. I don't know, um, bec- and and I think it's I have a hard time being patient because I felt like I've been patient for a long time. Uh, so uh, I'm in wait and see. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I still know like it's going to be. This is not a team that's going to win nine games this year. This is still a team that's very far away. And if Davis Mills turns out to be a great quarterback, great, you know, expediate that. If they're looking for a quarterback next year in the draft, got to wait another year. Let's get back to the Aggies for a second, because I heard Billy Lucci tell you that he thought overall the Aggies draft was disappointing. Uh, what do you think about that? Is, th- is that fair? It's disappointing, um, but I-, I heard it phrased this way actually today on the show that all those, all the Aggies that we thought could get drafted all got jobs. They all got invites, right? So that, that says something. Uh, Jalen Watermeyer not getting drafted. He had a bad year last year. He could have used another year. But a year ago, he was considered a first three-round pick tight end. Uh, Isaiah Spiller going in the fourth round. or a, Yeah, fourth round. Third round? Fourth, fourth round. Right there. Um, he, he, you know, running backs, you know, they, they don't get drafted that high. Uh, Michael Clemens, to me, getting drafted in the fourth round. This is a guy who was a JUCO transfer with no stars, worked his way up, and gets drafted in the fourth round by the for the New York Jets. So um, th- there is development there, but the Aggies did have a poor season from a record point of view, uh, only winning eight games last year. There's a reason Georgia had 15 guys drafted. They won the national championship. They're the hot team out there. So uh, unhappy with four, yes, but um, there's a couple tweeners out there that could have been drafted. Leon O'Neill could have been drafted. Aaron Hansford could have been drafted. Just wasn't their day. What do you think about the Aggies football offseason in general, recruiting, transfers? You know, how has it looked? Oh, well, recruiting, the number one recruiting class ever in any any team has ever done. And, and that's, I think, phenomenal. And one thing that people, I, I think, fail to realize is the amount of Houston talent that they picked up. I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, Robert, but I do know that um, at one point when they were signing all these five stars, they would have had, just by signing Houston players, the Aggies draft class, well, excuse me, recruiting class would have been the 11th best in the country just by using Houston, just that number. So that just tells you the kind of star power that you have in your backyard there. And then you get guys from all around the country and Evan Stewart in Dallas, and you get uh, guys in Florida and you get guys in Washington. Like, I mean, they were able to become, I think A&M entering the SEC and Jimbo Fisher meeting this team and, and having the Orange Bowl success from a couple of years ago has made them a, a more of a national brand. Playing in the SEC certainly has a lot to do with that. And, and winning the Alabama game put them on a, on a different level. They got a lot of young talent. Um, can they win 10, 11 games this year? They can if, if, the, if the young talent can mature quickly. A lot of people are pointing at 2023 as a year of them really being a, a team that can win 12 games, 11 games. But I think this year, if they get good quarterback play, um, double-digit victory is certainly uh, doable. I was going to ask you that because it always comes back to that, whether it's the NFL or college, it's the quarterback. Uh, how do you feel about where they are at quarterback right now? I'm going to tell you this. So a lot of people are down on what the Aggies did last year, but I, I, I'm, and I'm, and I'm asking this to everybody, how many programs can withstand losing their starting quarterback, their starting center, um, a, a wide receiver, two cornerbacks, and still have um, a 10 win season. All right. This team actually, in my opinion, should have won at the very minimum nine games. If you remember the LSU game on the last possession, they punted the ball, they stripped the ball from LSU, and the game should have been over. They would have won. 
They did not give them the strip. LSU gets the ball. They scored a beautiful touchdown for Max Johnson. So this team was very close last year. They lost a very close game to Ole Miss. They lost a very close game to Arkansas. Um, and they lost a very close game to Mississippi State. Still 8-4, and four, not good enough. The big issue last year, I think, was the injuries and quarterback play. Zach Calzado was amazing on one night against Alabama and okay throughout the season. Uh, they got three capable quarterbacks this year. Connor Wigman is a, uh, a freshman who is the future of this program. He's going to be great. Um, the highest uh, quarterback in Texas coming into one place. I think him and Quinn Ewers, there's going to be some amazing battles. Um, you got Max Johnson, who had a quietly, a very efficient year last year at LSU. 27 touchdowns, six interceptions, I think he had. And you got Haynes King, who was supposed to be the starter last year, who got hurt in the fifth quarter that he played there in, in the Colorado game there in the second half, the second quarter. So um, I think because of quarterback play, that kind of competition, they're going to be better no matter what, just because of the three guys they have in there. Haynes King kind of expected to be the guy, uh, but Max Johnson is certainly making some noise. How do you feel about these new NIL rules and the transfer stuff, all of that? How How is that? affecting AM has it been an overall positive and do you feel like this is a good thing what's been going on can i say both yes and no like i mean <laughs> yeah i it's what i don't like is there are no guardrails there's no parameters in place i don't like that people can transfer and nil be a reason that they transfer that there's tampering going on that a kid can get on campus the coach can bench him that day and he's like you know what? i'm leaving i got a guy a coach there across the street that's offering me $500,000 to go there. So there, there's, but I do think these players should be compensated um, their name and their, their image is worth a lot, um, but they need to police it some way. And I think until they figure that out, and I hate having NIL in conjunction with the no transfer or the transfer policy without having to wait a year. I think those things combined together, I don't like, um, I, I would love for there to be a world where if you are participating in NIL at a certain level, uh, maybe you forfeit your um, ability to transfer, um, at least without the penalty. Um, I think the penalty would make people stay, stick around a little bit longer. Or maybe there's some some parameters in place that the college football playoffs were tied to how you partake in NIL and whatnot. For you to be able to have a program that qualifies for it, there's certain rules you have to play by. And if you don't play by those rules, you don't get invited to the tournament. Have you heard any buzz about any of these rules changing or them trying to do anything different? Because it just seems like right now the NCAA doesn't care what's going on. Well, I, I don't think it's the NCAA that's going to get it done. That's A. Uh, and I don't even know if the NCAA is going to be policing football here in the future. But, yeah, there's there's words. First off, you hear from coaches all the time. Jimbo Fisher spoke yesterday at the touchdown club. Uh, Nick Saban has talked about it. Daryl Sweeney has talked about it. Several coaches, high-profile coaches and administrators have talked about it. Um, you have the uh, AD from Ohio State. He talked about how there needs to be some reform. So, yes, there is talk about it. And the uh, SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, and the Pac-12 commissioner uh, today are in Washington asking for help uh, on NIL and how they can reform it. So, yeah, I do think there is talk, and I do think we're going to get some kind of resolution. I just don't know when. Well, it was great to get your insight on Kenyon Green. Tell people what's going on with Texags and uh, where they can find all the info and, and what all is, you know, just – new and fun over there yeah so uh, if you're an aggie fan you know about tech sacks because we're the number one source for all your aggie news billy luchies is connected as they come i host the uh, tv and radio show and we do several other shows we're on tv locally we're on youtube we're on all the social media channels so um we, we do good stuff we try to bring i, I went to AM, so to me it was a natural fit but it's a, it's a great company and uh as much as i do miss my houston sports i can now watch houston sports as a fan 
not necessarily have to sit in a press conference and talk to coaches. It's been a while since you were in College Station. I mean, does it feel weird? Has it, what's it been like to, to, to be back there? Is it a lot different than you remember? Yeah, it's different. It was a small town. And for many people in Houston, it's still a small town, but it's not the small town I lived in. We've got all the restaurants. We've got the Lupe's. We've got Gringos coming up. We've got everything. We've got, but for me, my life has not really changed that much. My life is work and kids' activities in church and, you know, rinse and repeat, right? That's that's what we do. Um, and we did that when we lived in Sugarland, and we're doing that here in College Station. So my life, other than having some nights off and some uh, weekends off, is, is pretty much the same. Well, thanks so much for all the inside info, David. It was great to catch up with you. And looking forward to Kenyon Green coming to Houston, suiting it up for the Texans, and hopefully better offensive line play, please. <laughs> yeah, it, it's coming, my friend. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.